1: Now your host, Chris Ronji. It is not Chris
3: Ronji. It's said farmer alongside Darren Jackson. Is Chris Ronji is on uh, other duties right
2: now. From the Chicago Wolves Update Studio, I'm Chris looking to attend a live hockey game. Hi, I'm Chris looking to attend a <laughs> hockey game.
4: Well, hold on one minute, Chris. Let me have a large, bright, heavy ice. Come
0: on. Come man. E-c-man. You know what? You know Come man. <laughs> That's it. You, you broke Ronji you now. <laughs> Way to go! Yeah, well, he's been broke all day. I he's think. a hard reboot.
1: Oh, I need to be better at my job. <laughs> oh, I would, you know what? It's far too late for that. And now, your host, Chris Ronji.
2: It is really horrible. Boy, that just ain't nice. What's up, dudes and uh, ladies? I don't know who's listening, but um, hi, my name is Chris, and I am with you until nine o'clock tonight. Is that correct? Alex Kuhn, I'm here with until 9? That is correct, Chris. 9? Okay. Because well, all they said to me was, hey, at 6 o'clock, um, they told me five minutes ago. Five minutes ago, they said, hey, we need you. Um, uh, Gabe's not available. We went down the list. We talked to 15 different people. None of them could do it. We need you ready in five minutes. Can you do that? And I said, you know what? Anything for you. Anything for you. So here I am, and I'm with you until 9 o'clock tonight so it is good to talk to you chicago i love you broadcasting live from the hyundai score studios brought to you by your local hyundai dealers and there is a lot happening today and tonight and we're going to get into as much of it as we possibly can until nine o'clock. We will discuss the Shane Waldron hiring, which is official as of what about a two and a half uh, three hours ago. The Bears made it official that they have a new offensive coordinator. Uh, we learned about that yesterday and it's done. It is a done deal. Statements released by the team, Matt Eberflus, and the new OC, and we will hear uh, those statements coming up. We're going to talk to Brad Spielberger uh, about the Bears, Mark Grody about the Bears, Josh Schrock about the Bears. We're also going to talk some White Sox, too, because um, from what I have been told, they're trying to move to a new location, and it's not Charlotte, and it's not Nashville, which is Good news, um, but they do want to move closer to downtown, as you have heard, and I find that to be very, very interesting because this is not the first time I've heard this. I've heard about it years ago that there was at one point an effort back when they were uh, looking to build the current ballpark back prior to the 90s that, um, yeah, maybe they would have a building somewhere near the South Loop, and it looks like that's what they're striving for right now, which is a fascinating, fascinating thing. And it is about the only thing, from all of my White Sox friends that I know, it is about the only thing they are currently excited about, which is astounding. They, they, can you think about that? Think about how much it must really kill you inside if you're a Sox fan. And the most excited you can be is the possibility of a new stadium. Not the announcement that they're building a new ballpark, but the possibility that they could potentially move to a new site closer to downtown. And that's the best thing that's going on. Granted, it is a great thing. I, I hope they do it. And we will discuss that later on in the show. But I, I had a friend just yesterday actually text me and said, "It is this sad? that this is the only thing in Chicago sports right now that I am excited about. And I said to him, you know what? Uh, yes, it is, but it's not your fault. But also maybe you can be a little bit excited about where the bears are right now. And let me tell you why. And I, I know that you've probably been listening to the score for the last several days, um, Well, ever since the Bears season ended, wondering what they're going to do next, wondering who their O.C. is going to be, wondering who their quarterback is going to be after we had it made official to us that the head coach is coming back. Well, the next step is who's going to lead the offense. And they finally figured that out. Um, I think, though, like and I don't believe I'm alone here. I, I have not heard one person say otherwise that this team right now, despite the fact they've kept the head coach that has been at best underwhelming for a lot of us, that this is a very good position for the Bears to be in. You've got the two top 10 draft picks. Don't know what you're going to do with number one just yet, and we will discuss that tonight, but you've got two top 10 picks You have either a really good quarterback, and and I, I still think Justin Fields is a good quarterback that has a lot of room to grow with the right environment, which is true of, well, pretty much every quarterback in history, you give them the right environment and they're going to grow. And maybe it's unrealistic of us to have expected him to lift the entire franchise with no help whatsoever. And I, th- I think it is kind of unfair that we've done that. So let's just say that they are in a position right now with a good quarterback who hopefully, with the hiring of this new offensive coordinator, will be put in position to grow. That is, of course, unless they decide to move on from him and take with the number one pick. One of these quarterbacks that is considered to be one of the best quarterback draft classes in a very long time. So no matter how you look at it, whether it's, hey, they've got a guy who's pretty good with a lot of potential and just needs some coaching, just needs a little bit to really make the next step. The right kind of coaching, not just any coaching, the right kind. And I think we can all be in agreement that he really hasn't gotten the right kind of coaching. So either it's that, either it's a quarterback who has this potential and could be really good if they get this offensive coordinator hire right, or they're going to go get one of these guys that everybody keeps telling us is generational. So as of right now, there are a couple of things to be really excited about if you're a Chicago sports fan. Uh, One is the possibility of a new White Sox stadium downtown uh, or South Loop, and the other one is... That this Bears team, as long as they get it all right and they haven't had an opportunity to mess it up yet, they are in very, very good position. And this is an enviable position for any team that is not already the Kansas City Chiefs or the Baltimore Ravens or the San Francisco 49ers. This is as good of a deal as you could possibly want because the arrow, if they've done it right, is pointing up unlike guaranteed rate fields arrow, which is pointing down. This is different. It is pointing up. And all it needs is a little bit of help. And so I ask you this question tonight because we're going to be talking about the same things over and over again, and and maybe you're already sick of talking about whether or not they're going to keep fields or uh, go ahead and trade him and then, Uh, Keep the number one pick and then draft Williams or draft Drake May or Jaden Daniels or J.J. McCarthy, whatever it is. Maybe you're already sick of that discussion. First of all, let me just tell you, uh, buckle in, pal, because (laughs) that's going to be your next few months. That's going to be all that this station is talking about, because really, there's not anything that's in, in the city. There isn't anything more important sports-wise, than what they do with that pick. It's it's just the number one thing, so you're going to get exhausted and maybe sick to your stomach hearing about it. But that's the deal, right? But here's the question I ask you, knowing all of this that's going on right now, knowing the position the Bears are in, and I'm going to give you my thought on it first, but I want you to tell me if I see this wrong. Okay? In two days... It will be the second anniversary of the hiring of Ryan Poles. He was hired on January 25th of 2022. So we are right there at the two-year mark. And while not everything has gone well, I'm not so sure that he has done the best in hiring a head coach and retaining the head coach. Matt Eberflus doesn't particularly do it for me. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that. But in terms of the roster, he's done pretty well. So the question I ask of you is this. Do you trust Ryan Poles with whatever it is he decides to do leading up to the draft? And again, I'm removing coaching from the situation because first of all, I'll tell you with Shane Waldron, I don't know. I don't know if he's the right guy or not. He's an inoffensive pick. He's an inoffensive hire, I will tell you that. There are very few people I've heard who have said, ooh, ooh, wow, that's what they decided to do? Oh, not good. Not good at all. I haven't heard anybody say that. But most people have said, hey, this is a guy who's got all kinds of different experience with different kinds of quarterbacks under really successful head coaches. He has learned from some of the best. He has been with some of the best. And he knows how to call plays. May not be perfect at that. Might have some issues when it comes to third down plays, which, by the way, has been a Bears problem too lately. But I don't think you're going to get the perfect offensive coordinator candidate. However, is it the right one? for this environment, whether it's Fields or whether it's Caleb Williams that they draft or Drake May or any of the other quarterbacks. That's a fair question. But when it comes to the roster, and that includes whoever the quarterback is moving forward, I I have to tell you, and I'd love to get all hot takey on you on this, and tell you that I don't I don't think this guy knows what he's doing. But I have to be honest, I kind of trust the guy, I kind of trust that whatever he ends up doing with the quarterback will be the smart decision. Am I wrong for that? I mean, look at what he has done. The Montez Sweat deal was a just an absolute boost for the defense. DJ Moore has had a terrific, terrific past season for them. I love DJ Moore. I really like what he's done with one, the roster. I like what he's done with um, the couple of drafts that he's had so far. I think he's done a pretty good job with that. And it's difficult to hit on all of your picks, but I think he's done well. And so I don't know what it is. Maybe this is just uh, me being naive, but I think I trust the guy. I think I trust that whatever he decides to do will be coming from a good process. And I'm talking strictly about the roster. I am not talking about the coaching staff. I'm not talking about those decisions because I don't know how I feel about those still. The, the, clearly, the jury is, is going to be out for a while on the coordinator. We have no idea. that there's you, you have no idea if that marriage is going to work or not. On the head coach, eh, it's underwhelming. But in terms of the roster, I think he's gotten it pretty right. I think he's gotten it pretty right so far, and therefore I do trust that the process with the quarterback selection, the quarterback decision, is going to be a good one. It doesn't mean ultimately it's going to work, but I can't argue with the process. Not yet. Let's talk to Jim from Racine, who is with us on The Score. Good evening, Jim. (laughs)
0: How are you? Uh, I'm good, man. Listen, to answer your question, Chris, I totally trust Ryan Poles. I mean, what's there not to trust about him. The way he's been on the job for two years, he has improved this roster immeasurably. That deal he pulled off last year for the pick, I mean, that's going to pay us dividends for years. It worked out great. And I tell you what I think is going to happen here. I do not think he's going to go on a blind date with Caleb Williams. I think he's going to trade that pick because I think he's going to get three first-round picks for that. And he looks at, you know, Caleb, he might be good. He might not be good. I personally don't think he's a Chicago kind of guy. Um, But just, um, you know, who knows if he's Peyton Manning or Ryan Leakes. Nobody knows that. I mean, all these first-round, you know, quarterbacks, they all have great records, and they all have all kinds of draft people saying they got to take them. But if he trades uh, Justin Fields, who's very popular, and who I think has been got a kind of a raw deal here with coordinators, and and Fields goes down to Atlanta and he stars under Harbaugh or uh, Belichick, and Ryan and uh, Caleb doesn't turn out to be Patrick Mahomes. I think now he's got a re- now Pulse has got a real problem. And see, um, yeah, I don't ahead, think Jim. he's going to well. I I
2: agree. See, I agree with you, man. I. Here's where I feel um, a lot of people don't quite – well, I know that I'm not on the same page with a lot of people on this uh, when it comes to Fields. I, I think that in order to draft Caleb Williams, you have to be not only certain that he is as good as Fields but better. I think you have to know that he's better. And I don't think it could be this thing where it, it was it was having a Twitter conversation with uh, just a, a Bears fan, and it was either a week or two ago. It might have been might have been right after the Packers game, I think. And uh, the question was if he turns into wasn't it Joe Flacco? I think that was the guy said if he turns into Joe Flacco, will that be um, good enough for you? No, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't Flacco? It was Kirk Cousins. That if they draft Caleb Williams and what he becomes is Kirk Cousins, is that satisfactory to you? And I, I put a, a poll out there because a couple of people had thrown that name at me that, hey, maybe at, at, maybe at best he's Kirk Cousins. Well, that's still an upgrade over what Fields is right now. And while that's true, I do think he's an upgrade over Fields right this second. Long-term, I'm not sure he is. But I think it would be hugely disappointing if they draft Williams and the best he can give you is the production of Kirk cousins, because what people are thinking when it comes to Caleb Williams is they're drafting the next Patrick Mahomes, not the next Kirk cousins. So for me, I almost feel like Williams has to be, and the bears have to be almost certain that he is better than fields and closer to Patrick Mahomes in order to take that pick, in order to use the pick and and take him number one. Otherwise, I love the idea of getting a couple of first-round picks at least uh, and and seeing what you can do with that and seeing how you can help build the team while keeping fields and helping him grow. I love that idea, and I, I know a lot of people don't like that idea, but man... Don't we have to be kind of certain that Caleb Williams is great before you give up on what you have already? 312-644-6767 is the phone number. We are going to get to more of your phone calls tonight. I assure you that's going to happen. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about the Bears, their new offensive coordinator, and um, also what happens with the quarterback position. And I'd like to hear from you. You can also text the number 312-644-6767. Brad Spielberger joins us next. We'll keep this Bears conversation going. I'm Chris Ranji filling in on the score.
1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
0: He will try to run the ball for sure. Now he may throw a lot of screens if the quarterback can't throw the ball down the field or he can't protect. Sometimes screens are the only chance you have if you can't protect the quarterback or the quarterback struggle and get the ball down the field. So you got to be creative in the screen game. I've been there and done that. Surely we all want to throw the ball 35 yards down the field, to deep daggers and curls and all that stuff. And out and ups, but if you don't have the line to protect, it's hard to do, but I'm sure they'll get the people in-house where he can be very creative with what he can do, and if not, he'll still figure out ways to get the ball in the end zone.
2: That's Jay Gruden on the Parkinson Spiegel show this afternoon right here on 670 The Score. I know that uh, Bears fans are having all kinds of uh, PTSD from the screen game of the Bears this past season, which was awful. And they're hoping for no more screens ever again and hoping that Shane Waldron doesn't call a single one in 2024. Uh, It is time to go to the guest line this evening for the first time, presented by Circa Sports Illinois. And we are joined by Brad Spielberger, who covers the Bears, a a salary cap analyst for PFF, also a contributor for... Over the cap and he is with us now. Brad does more than just bears. What am I talking about? He covers the NFL and Brad is with us now on the score. Good evening, Brad. How are you?
3: I'm doing great and I got some good news. The the Seahawks were bottom 10 in screen rate last year. They're actually (laughs) the fifth most efficient team running screens but ran it at a bottom 10 rate.
2: If I if I had a nickel for every person I said uh, I saw say or heard say that I will throw my TV out the window if we run another screen, then um, I could buy the station. I know that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so all right, Brad. Let, let me just get your thoughts. And, and I know you've been tweeting about this. You've been tweeting about the the team all year. What What is? What, as you look at this, I I personally haven't seen a whole lot of people call this a terrible move or a bad one. Most most opinions have been favorable. Are you in that camp?
3: I, I certainly am. And I, and I think a lot of folks that maybe are familiar with my work would know that if I don't think something is favorable for the Bears, I, I'm not afraid to say it. So um, I, I think it's a great hire. I really, really do. Uh, I was compiling a list of head coaching candidates when it was week five and the Bears were 0-4. And, and Shane Waldron was on that list. Uh, this is a guy that Worked for the L.A. Rams during the transition from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. You know, a massive departure and what you're trying to accomplish with your quarterback there. And then, of course, everyone now talks about the transition from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith. Resurrecting his career. Changing the offense around. Doing different things to accentuate. The skill set of the quarterback on the roster, you know, are the most important part of the job. He's been great at it. I actually know a former player of his who said he's a, a guy who breaks things down really easily to understand. He's going to help the offensive line understand their assignments. I, I just I, I, I find it hard to get someone in the league to tell me a bad thing about Shane Walker.
2: You know, we talk about coaching tree all the time, and, it, and that does get tiresome. Because it seems like some guys continue to get opportunities just because they worked for Bill Belichick or just because they worked for this guy or that guy. Um, but he has worked with a number of successful coaches. You know, uh, we talked to, you just heard from Gruden and Sean McVeigh, Matt LaFleur, uh, a bunch of guys who have been, Belichick being one of them. How much do you think that matters to have experience working with guys like Pete
0: Carroll?
3: I think it matters a lot, honestly, because the list of guys you just mentioned, you know, have foundations in different offenses. Obviously there is some overlap there, but, but then also working for a defensive head coach at multiple different stops. So of course, going to be doing that again in Chicago, you know, navigating how you have a guy who wants to play complimentary football and all those various components, but not letting there be tension and still finding a way to run your side of the ball while also working amicably with the head coach. And all those dynamics certainly matter, but but also just stylistically and schematically, I like that he has different foundations, different backgrounds. He has one of the more fascinating journeys through uh, through football with New England. Went back to actually being a high school coach, then came back to the NFL. Maybe he wanted to, you know, call plays or be a head coach, be a leader. He works with the quarterback collective, which is like a you know one of the many t- quarterback training groups out there that you always hear about. All these buzzwords. I uh, will mention they work with both Justin Fields and a guy by the name of Caleb Williams. So uh, there's connections to both potential quarterbacks there. Yeah, I, I just I really do appreciate that he he's soaked up a ton of knowledge from some of the great coaches in this game, and, and he's you can tell when you watch what he does. He's kind of you know picked the, and cho- chosen here and there what he likes, different concepts, different you know packages, um, and, and kind of just has built his own thing while borrowing from a lot of different influences ac- along the way.
2: I know there is some concern when it comes to him, and I don't think that you would find an offensive coordinator that didn't bring at least a little bit of that with him, and that is that on third downs, for example, this past season, Seattle, not particularly good. Is that How much does that reflect on him and his play calling and maybe inability to adjust with the game flow?
3: Yeah, that is probably the number one concern that jumps out to me because the the two you're going to hear are third down, conversion rate, and also some red zone stuff. As I've watched this film now this past year, to me in the red zone, um, I I think there was at times issues that maybe you could point to play calling. I think a lot of it was just, though, defenses when they were in a constricted area um, against an offensive line that was as injured as anybody's in the NFL – Even when healthy, you know, they drafted both their starting tackles last year. um, And so both these guys are second year players that both missed extended time. Um, I think that was more of an issue of just the overall offense. The third down stuff I do think you could point to at times some issues with maybe sequencing of where, you know, leaning on the pass game a little bit too much maybe at times. Um, or you know not not using third down it'd be set up a fourth down in today's NFL you know look at the lines they they use those downs together so things of that nature Where maybe sometimes the sequencing of plays like he's, he's a great play designer he's a great schemer but do you have a flow to your offense is there a cohesiveness or at times is your is your play calling kind of siloed I think you can improve in that area but but yeah there are also games look go, go turn on the Browns game watch some of his answers um third down against heavy man coverage what he did to create free releases for his receivers and and put defenders in conflict, I think it will regress. The thing I always say that matters more to me, and this is because it actually is more stable year-to-year and more predictive, the Seahawks turned first downs into new first downs at the second highest rate in the entire National Football League this year. That is a great stat. He's trying to be aggressive and not get into third and manageable, all those old cliches. No, you want to get first downs as soon as you possibly can.
2: Talking football with Brad Spielberger, you can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. So what a lot of people are wondering is, does this hire, does it signal anything about what the Bears' intention is on either keeping Justin Fields or moving on from him?
3: I'll say this. They came into the press conference at the end of the year, and they said the number one trait they were looking for was a coordinator that can truly cater the offense to the skill set of the guy they have. Not a guy, like you mentioned, sometimes we get, oh, he's from this tree. Okay, well, cool, but can he adapt? Can he adjust to what he's working with? And with Waldron, of all the candidates, uh, he has to check that box more than anybody else. Different styles, different ages in their career, different experience levels, all these things. And he's found a way to success every single time and change what he does. So, from that standpoint, it could obviously point to working with Justin Fields and truly building an offense to his skill set and not trying to like like he did at times, kind of force him to play the offense he wanted to run. It could also point to hey, there's a rookie quarterback that you're gonna have to come in, teach a lot of things, kinda of learn what he likes to do and be flexible and help it you know, bring him along slowly as he learns the NFL game. So I'll say this from a A style standpoint from his experience level, I don't think it tips a hand. I just do have the takeaway of a guy that I know was one of the most sought-after offensive coordinators in the entire NFL. To me, I think there is the the attractive element of the Bears' job is, as we see across the NFL every year, if they bring in a rookie quarterback and in one year, like like Bobby Slowick in Houston with C.J. Stroud, you have one good year with a rookie quarterback – and you're, you're interviewing for every single head coaching job in the cycle. That, to me, I think is interesting. But, but no, otherwise, uh, I think he could make it work with fields or a rookie or whatever they want to do.
2: Did they do the wrong thing keeping Matt Eberflus?
3: I think it's fair to wonder. You know, I think it is. You look at the cycle, and there are a lot of very legitimate candidates. There are going to be a lot of good coaches that are, you know, exciting candidates for, for the new teams that hire them. I think you could also maybe argue though, there are a ton of openings. And and so maybe if they sit back and say, you know, do we want to get you know get in the waters and compete with a million different teams for all these guys? And maybe if, if you lose the game of musical chairs, then you're sitting there with an uninspired choice. So you know, I I probably lean towards why not hire an offensive head coach that can come in and really their main sole focus is just maximizing the offensive production again regardless of the quarterback. But you know what, now that they hired Shane Waldron, I guess I have to sit back and say, you know what, they were confident what they were doing, they were confident they could still get a guy that was a really, really good candidate on the offensive side of the ball, so maybe this is hindsight analysis and and results-based analysis, but I can't really complain, because like I said, I I wrote an article uh, with five head coach candidates, and Shane Waldron was on the list.
2: And and obviously the concern is that if Waldron does well enough in this first year, that some team says, well, you're our head coach now. And then you have to do this over again. Then you have to find another good offensive guy. So why not have a at least a stable um, offensive presence in your head coach? What do you think of that argument? Do you think that matters as much?
3: So, I do think that is the kind of like safer way to approach it. That the highest floor and maybe even highest ceiling is pairing a good offensive coach that is not going to leave the quarterback. So, you get the stability, you get the continuity, and a guy that knows what he wants to accomplish. You're not continuing to search and causing your quarterback to learn new verbiage or learn a new offense or work with different, you know, position coaches. I do think that is real. Um, but at a certain point, you also just want the best coach, the best leader of the team here's a good example of like, you know, Mike Vrabel in Tennessee, you lose Matt LaFleur as your offensive coordinator to green Bay. You then have Arthur Smith. And I know Arthur Smith just got fired, but he leaves Tennessee as well, who was a good offensive coordinator there too. And in the last two years, their offense falls off a cliff. And I'm not saying it's only because they had to change coordinators again, but they did. They went out and got Tim Kelly from Houston who runs a different offense, who is not as highly touted. Um, and, and Mike Rabel is now fired. So, that concern is real. There are teams right now, like Carolina. I don't think Carolina, if David Tepper is the owner, is ever going to hire a defensive head coach. There are teams that are now buying into that philosophy. And I do get it. I understand it. But there are plenty of head coaches around the NFL that are more in that CEO-type role. Or, in this scenario, you just you build a stable organization, a place people want to come to, um, and you just make sure you do a really good job of, of recruiting coordinator after coordinator, it's harder to do. I'm not denying that, but again, like I said, they got Waldron, so so the first sign is a good one.
2: What is your opinion? And I, you know, sometimes it all kind of muddles together when I follow along on Twitter, watching a Bears game, and that's that's my connection because I I don't live in an area where there are a bunch of Bears fans, so my connection to Bears fans during games is on Twitter and people who cover the team and people like you. So I can't always remember who said what, but as you watched fields this past year, I don't think there's any question there was progress, but do you, with all the flaws that are still there that we talk about all the time and people, you know, beat that drum all the time that he doesn't make the decisions quick enough. He doesn't anticipate he's not elevating enough. The flaws that there, that exist with fields are, is it, possible to coach those out of him
3: so here's a perfect example so geno smith and there is a gap here in time but geno smith the year before he was starting for the seattle offense had a time to throw over three seconds last year it was 2.8 this year it was 2.7 so the guy they just hired helped the quarterback drop his average time to throw by 0.3 seconds and still they threw the ball downfield at the third highest rate in the nfl they ran a lot of play action a lot of rpos things that can slow down, you know, obviously if you're going to just a straight drop back, maybe you get the ball out quicker. So you can coach those elements. You know, I I will say though, I did see progress. I do think Justin Fields got better. I also do think in 2021 and 2022, he was working with probably the worst supporting cast from coordinator to offensive line to weapons of maybe any quarterback in the entire NFL. So I do feel very, very bad that he had to walk into that situation. You then change coaches, all of these things. He was dealt a very, very poor hand for me. And I know this frustrates some fans and I do get it, but you know, you mentioned I'm a salary cap guy. I'm a contract guy. Yeah. If they were handed the third overall pick, I probably would be on the draft. Marvin Harrison, stick with fields and see how it works out. You get this gift from Carolina of the first overall pick in a class that has a couple really, really good prospects. You can restart the rookie contract window and as much as Fields has shown some progress, to me, I'm throwing on the film. I'm watching Geno Smith in this offense. There are things I just still haven't seen from Justin Fields. For example, um, using his eyes to manipulate defenders to open throwing windows, which can obviously help you get the ball out quicker. Um, just, the footwork is still is not really there yet. So I, I love the guy. I, I get why. Chicago is full throated behind him, and you mentioned Twitter. Why there are these raging debates every single day? I totally get it. I love the guy. His jersey's hanging in my closet too. Um, but when I take the fan out of it and just purely look objectively as an analyst, uh, I think they have to take quarterback at first overall.
2: And, and are we certain that that Caleb is better than him at these things?
3: Yes. So, so Caleb okay. Williams. I, mean, I guess I shouldn't say yes. You know, we never know. Yes, and I mean, I mean, yes NFL. at the NFL level. That that
2: that to right. me is the question. Yeah.
3: Right. And and people are going to point to he also did have a a very high average time to throw this year. Um, He did have a high pressure to sack rate, which actually matters way more. Um, Plenty of great quarterbacks have a high average time to throw. The big one for me is more pressure to sack rate, which, of course, those two things are correlated. Um, He did this year, no question about it. But you watch, if you just filter to their quick game, he has a lightning quick twitch release, which I think is probably the biggest thing that when you watch C.J. Stroud tape and you wonder why he's been so good, he gets the ball out so, so quickly when he operates in structure. And when you do watch it, Caleb Williams, when he does just take what the defense gives him, he can do all those things. Like I just mentioned, he can manipulate defenders. He can throw in weird arm angles and weird windows. He he has a fluidity to his game. He's just kind of just like a hooper. Like He's just out there, just kind of just like – like he, he's just so fluid. And I think there's kind of a stiffness and a rigidity when I watch Justin Fields sometimes that I just – it's different. So uh, I get the concerns. And like you said, there's no certainty. Caleb Williams could be the worst quarterback in NFL history. But from what I watch and what I see, I, I-, I do have less of those concerns with him. You're going to have to coach it into him. Tell him, hey, stop freelancing so much or stop always trying to hit the home run. Just take the single or the double. But when you did see him do it, um, he did it at a very high level.
2: Let me go ahead and ask you about the cap since that's uh, uh, what you are really, really, really good at. And I we've talked a lot about the Bears having so much flexibility, at least for this next season. How much does that change the calculus, though? I mean, w- as much as we would like to reset the the clock on the quarterback and, and save that quarterback money um, in a, a salary that they would have to pay within a couple of years, does it change much that they are so flexible right now that they have so much room
3: yeah you probably could make that argument that it changes it a little bit you know there's no question about it but at the end of the day um, at a very high level the sport is essentially at the spot where if you have an above average to good quarterback on a rookie deal you can be a contender and then if you are paying a veteran quarterback salary he needs to be a top eight quarterback in the nfl otherwise you'll make the playoffs sure but it becomes very very hard to truly progress on and on and on if you look at the quarterbacks in the in, in the salary cap era we're in right now, the rookie wage scale era, since 2011, I want to say one Super Bowl has not featured a rookie contract quarterback. And I, I don't buy into the philosophy that you can't win with an expensive quarterback. It's more just that, unfortunately, the way the market dynamic works is there's not enough of a gap between the elite guys and the rest. Like, Patrick Mahomes is not a top-five-paid quarterback in the NFL. And I'm not saying – you know Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert don't deserve that but you just you don't get enough of a of a discount on that next tier like Daniel Jones is making 40 million dollars after he threw 15 touchdown passes um and won a playoff game it's just it's just it's just you don't get that there, there's not enough of a, a, a gradation in the market so it's a fair question I do get it it's not just a contract question um you know when it comes to the quarterback decision I also think it makes sense just in a pure football vacuum but yeah that, that's just how the league works right now is it's just it's very hard to, to have a great roster around an expensive quarterback in this league
2: brad when i talk to smart people it makes me realize how stupid i am so i'm glad to have you on thank you for uh for giving us the information tonight i always appreciate the bears conversation
3: me too thank you so much for having me
2: That is Brad Spielberger. He covers football salary cap analyst for Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. And Brad is fantastic at what he does. All right, what's next? Oh, yeah, I told you that I wanted to hear from you. And I've heard from a little bit of you. Got plenty of text messages that have come in. But if you want to call me, you can. Uh, 312-644-6767. I put it out there earlier. I think i trust ryan poles that's where i'm at right now and whatever decision he ends up making i think i'm good with it when it comes to the bears quarterback position has he earned that from you nearly two years into the job and again on thursday it will be the second anniversary of ryan poles hiring has he earned your trust i'm chris Ranji filling in
1: after the end of a good fight Tonight on The Score.
4: You know, you, you mentioned that, uh, that Shane was with Pete Carroll. Well, if you go even back farther than that, Bill Belichick, you know, he was with Bill at New Eng- England, as we know. And and what jumps at me is I, uh, it's going to be a good match, I believe, for Floose because both those guys are defensive-minded coaches, head coaches. And when you have a defensive-minded head coach, the running game Field position, uh, all those things are very important.
2: Dave Wanstead with Mully and Haw on the score. I'm Chris Ranji tonight filling in. Glad you're with me. You've got me until 9 o'clock, kids. Uh, Let's see. We are talking to Mark Grody next hour. He's going to join us at 7 o'clock. We'll get his Bears thoughts. A lot of Bears with you. Josh Schrock will join us as well. Bears, 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 Bears. It is a a Bears night on the score with a couple of exceptions. We will talk uh, White Sox new stadium in the loop potentially. Oh, we also have Hall of Famers. We have new Hall of Famers who have been announced, which I uh, did not mention yet. But uh, three people have been selected to go into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And you know what? I'll go ahead and tell you who they are right now. You want to know? Okay, I'll tell you. It's Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, and Joe Maurer, which are are all guys I think absolutely deserve it. So very, very cool for those three. Uh, They will go into the Hall of Fame. I said I wanted to hear from you as we asked the question, do you trust Ryan Poles? Just generally speaking, do you trust him? I think I do. What do you think, Don from Chicago? You're on the score. Hi, Don.
4: Hey Chris, nice to hear from you again.
2: It is great to be, be heard from.
4: I wish I wish you can be a full time with the system uh, with the because I love to I love to bring you uh, when you when you on the air. Well, I
2: yeah. I love to be here. Thank you, Don. Okay,
4: okay I think I support you about uh, Ryan Pauls. I trust him all the way. Whatever he does, I'm okay. You know, nobody nobody knows he can pull. Last year what he did last year. See what we got. So whatever I do, uh, he does uh, this year, I'm okay with it. So that's that's what I wanted to say.
2: Okay, I, I appreciate the phone call. I'm glad I got a little bit of support here. I, I do too. I, I don't I know how I feel about Justin Fields, and I really it, my heart tells me that I want it to be him. I want him to be the guy. And my head tells me, I still think he can be, but there are flaws that I am concerned about too. And, and I am concerned that the coaching staff isn't good enough to be able to, and, and maybe this new coordinator will, will change that. But I, I am concerned the coaching staff isn't good enough to be able to help get those flaws out of his game. So, and I think those are all valid concerns. My head also tells me, I've got concerns about Caleb Williams too. And here's the thing: the, the, if you're the if you're the general manager, if you pick Caleb Williams with number one, there isn't other than Bears fans who love Fields. There isn't a single person in football who's going to blame you for it. Not one. Nobody's going to say, "Oh, this idiot taking Caleb Williams." It will be a universally loved pick by everybody in football, again, with the exception of some Bears fans, that a lot of Bears fans, actually, that just really want to hang on to fields. So it is, in a lot of respects, as safe of a pick as you could ever make, and it's a guy who is allegedly a generational talent. Here's where some of my concern is. I, I do worry about things like how he handles Chicago media, how he handles a Chicago fan base that is going to expect him to come in and immediately be great. Especially if he's going to replace Fields. Especially if the the deal is, hey, we don't think Justin Fields is great, but we think this guy is. And because we think this guy is, we're trading for or we, we're drafting him and trading Fields. Well, you're telling us he's gonna be great. He better be great. And he better be great right away. Can Caleb Williams handle that? That is an unknown right now. And I'm not sure it is knowable unless they actually draft him. Let's try to get another quick call in. Kendall from Indianapolis is with us on the score. Hi, Kendall.
4: Hey, hey, thanks for taking my call, man. You should hang out with us more often. Uh, I would love to. Look. Hey, please do. Hey, look, I just want to say this quickly. Look, you got to give that number one pick up. You got to pick up two number ones for 25-26. It's not just about the Bears on the quarterback position. It's about building a franchise with six number one picks. In the next three years, you own the NFL draft and everything that's in the first round. So, you got to, even if you don't keep Justin Fields, you got to consider the fact it's not about one position. It's about building a jargon a franchise. And Ryan Poe's sitting there for the next 10 years with picking your gold jackets. Now, your gold jackets come in the in NFL draft, not a free agency. And you got six opportunities to get that. Versus having one pick and cashing all your chips in on this one pick, like Caleb Williams, who may not work out. So here's the deal. That's my whole point with it, and I'm with that. I'm, I agree with you 150%. Pose, I'm with polls all the way. And thanks for taking my call.
2: Kendall, my guy, you be safe out there in Indianapolis. Uh, he, th- again, the the Caleb Williams thing, I was listening to – um, Rich Eisen talk about the the Shane Waldron hiring and he brought up the, the this whole situation what it means what it signifies going forward for the Bears who they're gonna pick and he he mentions and maybe we'll play this a little bit later but it's just something he said in the middle of his his monologue on the situation and he said it's something to the effect of is Caleb Williams um, great is he better at all of the things that Justin Fields is not and he says he can be, and I think those two words do a lot of work for people when we assess Caleb Williams. Is he better than Fields? Is he going to be better than Fields? He can be. He can be. Can be is not a guarantee, and I almost feel like we need to have a guarantee if they're going to move on from a guy who's already pretty good with a ceiling that hasn't been reached yet. Three, one, two. 644-6767 is our number. We are going to get to more phone calls, but when we come back, my guy and yours, Mark Grody joins us after the break right here on The Score. Bears.
1: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.